Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Tortoise. About five years ago, Jacob Rothschild invited me for lunch. He wanted to learn more, he said, about energy and climate. He wondered if we could, quote, bring together the Israelis and the Palestinians of the energy transition. In other words, he wanted to see if we could get the oil and gas people and the renewables people in the same room. And perhaps, he thought, we might come to a better understanding, maybe even move things along. Today, that phrase, bring together the Israelis and Palestinians, seems even more fraught and necessary than it did then. But that was what he did. Jacob Rothschild brought people together. At that lunch at the Pavilion in Wadston back in 2019, Jacob invited just three of us around the table. Philip Lambert, perhaps the best-known behind-the-scenes advisor to the world's largest energy companies, Claire Perry O'Neill, the former UK energy minister who had been so instrumental in bringing COP to Glasgow, and me. And together, as a result of that lunch, we set up the Responsible Energy Forum. It was organised by Tortoise, enabled by the Rothschild Foundation, and hosted by Jacob at Wadston. On the back of its success, we established a series of responsible business forums, trying to get to hear from different sides on the pitched battles of our times, Robocops versus Terminators on AI, or the farmers versus the rewilders on food, the financial performance investors versus the social impact campaigners on business and investment. And as a result, as Jacob intended, Wadston Manor, the estate that's home to the rather eccentric Loire Valley-style chateau that Baron Ferdinand de Rothschild had built in the 1870s on the outskirts of Aylesbury in Buckinghamshire, well, Wadston, that place that Jacob had rescued from a state of disrepair, that he'd rebuilt and built anew, it became what he hoped, a place where several times a year people on very different sides of the argument came together. Jacob Rothschild, or Lord R, as they all referred to him at Wadston, died this week at the age of 87. And although I knew he'd been fading these past few weeks, I've been surprised, not just by how sad I've been, given that he had a life so extraordinarily well-lived, but shocked too, realising how much I, and I think we all, have lost. I'm James Harding, I'm the editor of Tortoise, and in this week's editor's voicemail, I just wanted to try and explain how much I learned from him from Jacob's effort, care, and the courage it takes to bring people together. I should say, I only got to know him when he was already into his 70s. So there are others who have much more to say about the chapters of his life as a banker and businessman, the deals and the investments that were city fables by the time I met him. By then too, he had, in his determined, detailed way, restored some of London's faded palaces, 
Somerset House and Spencer House. He'd also stewarded the rebuilding and revival of places like the National Gallery and the Courtauld Institute. To me, though, Jacob was a gentleman and a forceful presence. He managed both to put me at my ease and keep me on my toes. He had an extraordinary capacity, in fact, to be two things at once. He was, of course, a Rothschild. But he was passed over when it came to running the family bank, and so he was a self-made man before he inherited a family fortune. I've no idea whether he was ever pained or worried by the horrible, hate-filled use of the name Rothschild on social media, but in the real world, he seemed to treat the name both as a responsibility to his family's past and a means of making a difference in the future. He switched easily back and forth between business and politics, painting and sculpture. He was outwardly conservative and extremely courteous, but when it came to art and people, he had an appetite for the eccentric, the unexpected and the playful. When they were little, my kids thought that he and his late wife Serena were the king and queen. She was also, as it happens, a great owner of racehorses, and she could immediately tell I had no idea about any of that, so instead we talked about how much we both loved Paddington too. Jacob was generous and also demanding. Hello, it's Jacob, he'd say when he called, an introduction that was unnecessary, as no one else I've known had a voice quite like that, deep and warm, his vowels as long as his arms. And I'd sit up straight as soon as he called and think, this'll be interesting, and it always was. He was a formidably good listener, but he didn't hoard information. He shared stories and observations. He epitomised discernment, something that's a bit more critical than appreciation and not as know-it-all as judgment. Lord R. liked to build things, I was once told. That was by way of explanation for how the Flint House, a modern building that won the Reba House of the Year Award, came to be built just down from the Wadston Archive at Windmill Hill, which he'd also rebuilt and modernised. He built businesses, and he built places, and he also built up people too. In the last five years, he was an extraordinary enthusiast and supporter of Tortoise. He was hard to thank, but he was all too easy when it came to lavishing praise on us. Looking back, it's telling that our first really substantial conversations were about the Balfour Declaration. Telling not just because the State of Israel was close to his heart, but because the Balfour Declaration is one of those milestones in history that is so easily and lazily misremembered, written off as a British redrawing of the Middle East map with a stroke of the dying imperial pen. The Balfour Declaration was contained in a letter from the British Foreign Secretary Arthur Balfour to the then Lord Rothschild in November 1917. And when we first spoke about it, Jacob was thinking, a few years in advance, about how to mark its 100th anniversary. He was keen to bring people together, not just to mark it, but to understand it. Being Jewish, I thought I should really understand it too, and remember feeling embarrassed at the realisation that I didn't actually know what it said. And here's what Balfour wrote to the then Lord Rothschild. His Majesty's government view with favour the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people, and will use their best endeavours to facilitate the achievement of this object. It being clearly understood that nothing shall be done which may prejudice the civil and religious rights of existing non-Jewish communities in Palestine, or the rights and political status enjoyed by Jews in any other country. Disputed and debated as the Balfour Declaration may be, it's hard when you read it today not to be struck by its concise concern for the interests of all parties. I'm sure that one of the reasons I feel so knocked by Jacob's death is the context of the murders, rape and hostage-taking in Israel, 
the killing of some 30,000 people now in Gaza. As the weeks have gone on, I found myself more and more turned off by those people telling you ever more loudly the righteousness of their cause, talking over you to enumerate the justification for their side, using language and labels that divide us and deny the other side a voice. Worst of all, politicians and demagogues looking to make domestic political capital out of a catastrophe. More and more, I find myself wondering, where are the places where people from all sides can come together to understand? I'm even more aware of how hard it is to create an environment where people are willing to listen, how much generosity of spirit it takes to invite in people whose views threaten you, how much it takes to bring people together. Jacob Rothschild's last great building project was the National Library in Israel. He worked on it for more than 20 years, and he was preparing to go to Jerusalem to mark its completion when the attacks of October the 7th meant the official opening was called off. He did not live to set foot in the new building, but he had always been clear who it was for. Everybody. A place open to all. As he put it, a library without borders. Long after he's gone, I like to think, Jacob will keep bringing people together. Tortoise. What comes to mind when you think of Amber Heard? A liar? A survivor? A narcissist? The trial of Depp v. Heard was a global phenomenon. But I want to know, was it a fair fight? I'm Alexi Mostris, the host of Sweet Bobby and Hoaxed. In my new podcast, I'm investigating whether Amber Heard was the victim of an organised trolling campaign. Just search for Who Trolled Amber wherever you get your podcasts.